fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Hold on. i got to remember how to do this thing. i got to push all these buttons in the studio and make sure everything's running smooth. It's been a few days. i got to remember. I've forgotten how to run this thing. Oh, there we go. All right. I think we're live on the live stream now. We're good. Hey, what's up? Welcome into the program. It's a Monday. It's the post-Thanksgiving celebration. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. We have to recap the entire weekend on a personal and a political level. So let's not waste any time here, shall we? Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. Happy Monday broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations and TV live streaming podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's so great to have you along for the ride. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Bottom of this hour, we're not going to waste any time, man. Scott McKay, he is the author of the book Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. Who's really behind the Biden administration? Who's really running the show behind the scenes? Now, I, <laughs> I know, that's kind of a kind of a rhetorical question because we already kind of know who's running the, the show behind the scenes, but... What's the real agenda? So we'll talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. And, uh, yeah, we'll get the latest out of Washington, D.C. Hopefully you had a great Thanksgiving, man. It was a much-needed break. This year has been kind of those strange ones. It's flown right on by, but I feel busier than I've ever been in my entire life on numerous different aspects, as you know. And we'll do more of a a year in review as we get closer to Christmas and the New Year program. But uh, it's been such a whirlwind. I, I have a hard time, and I feel bad because I'm... I'm there, and I think I spend more time with the family than I have in a very long time just because of the industry I'm in. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast in radio. You're in, when you're in any type of media, it doesn't stop even during the holidays, so there's always something going on, and I know that, and the family knows that. We accept that when I jumped into this industry, and I've, I think that I've tried to space out and block out time to spend time with the family more so than I ever have. But it's been such a whirlwind that a lot of times I don't remember being able to just sit down and spend time with the family. I, I I do it, and I try the best that I can to do it as much as possible, but it's very difficult to do sometimes because we're just so busy. Along with being an operations manager for a large cluster of radio stations across the entire Mid-America region, along with doing this program and doing a weekend program and covering a morning show right now while we're training somebody else and uh, doing all that stuff, then I have the syndicated program that's on the weekends and you know, working with that and Mrs. Voice of Reason working on her projects. It's been so busy building businesses on the side while doing a main job and doing everything else that it's exhausting and it's it's busy. So we tried to spend some time the last few days to just shh, just chill. And it was nice because we actually kind of sort of did it until, you know, a leaky water valve in the kitchen, you know, with the water line. But not other than that, you know, <laughs> totally fine. And it was a great Thanksgiving. So I hopefully you had the great, uh, great one as well. You got to overdose on the turkey. You got to enjoy the family and friends. You got to watch movies or watch football or whatever you do for your tradition. It is my tradition. And it's been this way for the last few years because we don't have a lot of family, extended family around Kansas because my family is predominantly in Ohio, and my wife's family is predominantly in Colorado. So we don't usually travel because of being in media, and we don't like to. So we sometimes have some you know, local family and friends out here uh, that come by. If not, then we just kind of spend it quietly. 
And that's what we did this year. We spent it quietly. Mrs. Voice of Reason, I have to say, got to give her the props, man. She nailed it. I mean, it was it was primo. It's so much better than that turkey I try to stuff into the microwave that I do every single year. <laughs> no, she made a fantastic uh, turkey dinner as she does every Thanksgiving with whatever she does to it. I don't know, but it just falls apart, and it was amazing. And she did something different this year, and she blew my mind. And I don't know if you remember, but last week we made the joke that we were asking about some of the traditional foods that you eat on Thanksgiving. And I made the comment that does anybody still eat cranberry sauce? Because I have not had cranberry sauce in years. And it was the old, not the not the canned stuff. I've never had the canned cranberry sauce. Never had it in my life. Because in Ohio, growing up as a kid, my grandmother used to make it homemade. And obviously, her being there and like 80, she doesn't cook a whole lot anymore. And I'm not around to enjoy it even when she does cook it. So I have not had cranberry sauce probably since like middle school. And I've missed it. And it's only a once a year thing, obviously, for Thanksgiving. But the homemade cranberry sauce with the cranberry bits and the orange bits and everything else in there is amazing. And I've always looked forward to that every Christmas or every Thanksgiving or Christmas. And I haven't had it probably since middle school, maybe high school, but I don't think so. Mrs. Voice of Reason this year, I get home last week and she has stacks of fresh organic cranberries, just fresh ones sitting there, the actual cranberries. And she made homemade, all natural, all homemade cranberry juice, cranberry bread for breakfast, and homemade cranberry sauce. And I got to give it to her again, man. It was holy cow. <laughs> Never in my life. And I had it. And she, she nailed it to where it brought back everything that tasted just like my grandmother's recipe of cranberry sauce. So this is going to be a tradition now. And I'm a big cranberry person. I love cranberry juice. I will drink the straight up, very bitter, very awesome uh, like Ocean Spray, straight cranberry. Not the cranberry grape or cranberry, just straight cranberry juice. I love it. it. I know it's healthy for you. I love it. But this was better because it was homemade, not a lot of sugar in it, and it was just straight from the squeezed cranberries that she made from home. It was epic. So we gorged ourselves on the food. That's enough talking about food because I'm getting hungry already. I think we have like maybe a night left of leftovers, but I enjoy the turkey sandwich, so I don't know how much of a leftover I'm going to get. Uh, but we made all that. It was great. After the dinner... I was like, you know what, we have to do, we have to officially launch Christmas. Because last year I felt like I wasn't quite in the holiday spirit. I wasn't quite in the holiday mood. And it was because there were a couple very traditional movies that we watch every single year that I always watch to get me into the festivities. You know, you just get that, that good holiday warm time feel to you. And I didn't get to watch them last year. We were too busy, never got a chance to sit down and actually watch them. So we watched those movies. And do you know what they were? Of course you do. They were, of course, the most Christmassy Christmas movies you'll ever see, which is Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2. And I'm telling you, they were, now I, I feel like I am in the festive Christmas holiday spirit. We're going to get ready to start decorating the Christmas lights. We had a major amount of snow, which we'll get to in just a second here in the Kansas area. And it was amazing. I now feel like I'm in the Christmas holiday spirit. At the same time, Little Voice of Reason, who is nine, she's starting to enjoy a little bit more adult-like movies as well, instead of just cartoons all the time. And her favorite movie this year is Home Alone, which again, we watched, of course, Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. And I got to give props because I'm very shocked that they allowed it to stay in there, but because we watched it on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus still has the original Home Alone 2 version of the movie with the Donald Trump scene still in the movie. 
And the, the reason I say that is because there are many of the move, uh, many of the TV networks that play Home Alone 2 when when uh, he goes to New York, but they've cut out the Donald Trump scene because they hate Donald Trump so much. I got to give credit to Disney Plus because they've actually kept that scene in there as the original. So kudos to them. I appreciate that. We watched Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. That is now my little voice of reasons favorite Christmas movie. So we've watched all of them, uh, at least some of the big ones, getting us geared up for the holiday season. Then we watched a couple new ones. And I want to talk about them for just a second because, yes, it does relate to pop culture, and I think it's kind of appropriate. Number one, I think outside of Die Hard, I have found my new favorite Christmas movie of all time that will be a tradition. And it's a relatively new movie because it came out last year. I don't know if you've seen it or not. You're going to laugh at me. I don't really care. <laughs> but it's called Violent Night. Oh, yes. Violent Night. Not Silent Night. Violent Night. And the story goes, it, I knew it was going to be a cheesy one, cheesy action movie, but it was actually way better quality than I could have imagined. Very gory. If you're not into gore, don't recommend it then. But if you don't mind some cheesy action zingers and liners, and if you don't mind some gore, highly recommend this movie. Violent Night is the story of Santa Claus, who's kind of fed up being Santa Claus because no one's appreciative of Santa Claus any longer. Kids just expect it, and all they want is video games and really dumb stuff. Santa Claus is about done. He's out. He's like, this is my last year doing this. And Christmas Eve night rolls up to this very fancy house that coincidentally is the same time where a group of terrorists try to hijack the house to break into a vault of steel, like $300 million, whatever it is. And it is Santa Claus's duty to stop the terrorists and the bad guys and to save the family and to get the kids to appreciate and celebrate Christmas and Santa Claus all over again. And if you like cheesy action, if you like, if you don't mind gore, and if you like cheesy one-liners and zingers, this is the movie for you. And I, I have to tell you, I knew it was going to be like super cheesy. I was expecting it to be like a horrible cheesy movie. It was actually a fantastic movie. Highly recommend. That is a 10 out of 10 in the Hoosier uh, Voice of Reason book there for movie reviews. If you get a chance to see Violent Night, highly recommend it. Totally the most Christmas thing you'll ever see in your life. On the other flip of this coin, we also tried to watch another family movie. And this is from a new Disney Plus movie. I do not recommend it in any way, shape, or form. You want the ultimate wokeness which is the direction Disney's gone for a long time. Andy, why do you still have your Disney Plus subscription? Well, try to tell a nine-year-old girl that she's not allowed to see all the classic princesses on Disney Plus. So we still have it. And I want to see Star Wars, so shut up. <laughs> but they came out with a new Christmas one called The Naughty Nine. And it was the most, it was stupid. I think they opened it up for a sequel. I don't think it's going to go very well. And it continues on with the wokeness that Disney's done, where they, of course, had to have Every rainbow-colored kid in the sun just to try and be inclusive. They had to include the gay couple just because they can. I mean, it was very just 2023-esque of Disney+. And the storyline was essentially that kids that were on the naughty list were mad they were on the naughty list because they didn't get presents from Santa, so they go to the North Pole to try and steal back their presents. Because that's the type of behavior that we want to try and tell kids is acceptable and totally okay. And, of course, they try to learn a lesson at the end that it's not okay and that we should do better and yada, yada. So they at least tried to put a good message at the end there. But the whole premise of the movie was, we're on the naughty list. How dare you not give us our participation trophy and still give us presents even if we are naughty. So we're going to go to the North Pole and steal from Santa to take these presents away. It's the Naughty Nine. That one is a negative two on my 10 scale for Christmas movie reviews. That all being said, 
it was a great Thanksgiving break. I know I spent most of the time talking about that, but it was uh, it was wonderful. It was so much needed, and I will say that it topped it off after watching Die Hard. Now I can officially be in the holiday mood after watching Hans Gruber fall off the 30th story of the Nakatomi building in, in L.A., and Christmas time officially is here. Then on Saturday, if you're not from the Mid-America region, we got dumped in with snow. In fact, at my house, we clocked in 11 inches of snow. And it was recorded as the second most amount of snow that we had received in this area in Kansas history since like 1888. So it was much needed and it was awesome. And I know that the left wing progressives are already out there trying to yell about it being like climate change or something. But I don't really care. They can yell about climate change all they want to. In fact, uh, if they actually just pay attention, it's the El Nina season, if I remember that correctly, which means it's going to be a moist uh, for the people who don't like that word, you're welcome, moist. Uh, moist season all winter long here in the Mid-America region, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Missouri, this whole area we're going about to get dumped on, which is needed because of the drought and the farmers that are struggling. So uh, it is nice to see the snow. It's really heavy today. And Little Voice of Reason, who has not got to experience a whole lot of snow because we don't get much in Kansas, was able to experience not only the whole Christmas flavor of large amounts of snow and home improvement, but large amounts of snow in the form of a snowball that landed on her face while we were having a snowball fight. So she got the full Christmas experience on Thanksgiving weekend, properly setting the holiday tone going into the new year. And I'm excited about it. So I have more Christmas festivity uh, uh, mode and festiveness than I have in a while. And I'm excited about it. That being said, what's going on in Washington, D.C.? We'll get to that when we come back here. It's the voice of reason. It's a Monday. Lots to talk about. Stay right here. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. <laughs> yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. I got, a, I got a couple messages during the break. Andy, did you really hit your daughter in the face with a snowball? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Now, not necessarily intentionally, but I got two reasons here. Number one, she does not have any siblings, so therefore I have to sometimes pick on her just a little bit. You know, just to keep her in line a little bit and have a little fun with it with uh, daddy-daughter time. Number two, it was actually kind of funny that we were throwing snowballs around because, again, she's never seen so much snow really in her entire life. She, I mean, she was born in Colorado, but she was so little, doesn't really remember a whole lot of that. So not uh, really a time that she really remembers a lot and got to experience a whole lot of. So, uh, yes, we had to throw snowballs around. It wasn't quite sticky enough to make snowmen yet. But we were throwing the snowballs around, and we were lobbing them at each other. And I lobbed one in the air, and she was preoccupied trying to make a new snowball. Saw it, and it was like the slow-mo where she saw it coming at her but didn't move, and then all over the face. So, sorry, not sorry, but yeah, I had to do that. In the face! In the face! There is that. So welcome back into it. Bottom of the hour, Scott McKay. He'll be joining us here in just a few minutes as we look at Washington, D.C. As we wrap up 2023, I know that we're a little early. We're about a month out from the end of the year. But we have to ask ourselves what type of identity we want to have moving forward in our latest and what's trending. 
What's trending today? And by identity, we could talk about numerous different aspects of that as a culture, as a society, as a nation, as a political ideal, as a political party itself. Because right now, we still see some bickering amongst the Republican Party. And luckily, I'm saying this in a positive manner, that we are seeing some of the elected officials work their way out because they're frustrated finally throwing their hands out and throwing them up in the air. Now, I have to applaud And this is a rarity, but I have to applaud the Republican Party to a degree because for the longest time we've been very critical of conservatives that have cowered, that have wavered, and that have not stood their ground and have exhausted the other side of the aisle because the progressives are usually the ones that just wear us down to where we finally just cave in and give them whatever they want to. And there's a new headline that shows Mitt Romney right now is leaving and says that he would rather have a Democrat in the office of the presidency in 2024 than Trump. Let me repeat that, which is not much of a surprise for you, but Mitt Romney would rather have a Democrat than Donald Trump. Now, this is part of the ongoing identity crisis that Republicans have uh, right now because we're deciding what direction we're going to go. But is that really the type of party that we want? And it makes sense why he would say something like that, because he's more of a Democrat anyways. We already know your true colors, bro. I mean, see your true colors yeah, so <laughs> we already know exactly what you stand for, but it's just upsetting when we hear this type of rhetoric when you have an R in front of your name that would say we would do anything, even have a progressive left-wing socialist that has ruined the country for the past three years. We would rather have that than see the Don man... Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump back in office as president of the United States. We we despise him so much that we would rather see the country be destroyed than have him back in office. And they think truly that because Donald Trump would uh, kind of wreck the place. At the same time, we're going to see this major push in 2024 for the environmental movement. Obviously, we just talked about the mass amount of snow that we got the first time that we've seen this in a very long time. We've already in Kansas, at least where I'm at, we've broken the record or we're in second for the most amount of snowfall in the month of November in the state. And that's just from one day of snowfall, which means the activists are already in high gear talking about climate change and what we have to do in the legislative sessions of 2024. So that being said, uh, where are we going to stand on this issue? Because Republicans have already started to, I would say, evolve, adapt, change their tone on what climate change is. Well, of course climate change really happening. Of course we're trying to be the conservationists. Of course we need to address the issue we just may not believe that necessarily that it's man-made so that's maybe where we differ but republicans the messaging from republicans the messaging from the republican party the rnc starting to waver just a little bit starting to question themselves just a little bit and i really hope that's not the case because we need to have a firm stance to know exactly how we're going to campaign in 2024 and like normal i'm a little concerned about where the Republicans are moving forward. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is the Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we do. Your Patriot on the Prairie. Back at it after the Thanksgiving holiday. Great to have you. Hope you had a great one and you enjoyed your Thanksgiving shenanigans as we have. And it's so good to be back behind the microphone again. we got so much to talk about, so much to get to with things going on. I love how all the radical wild news happens while you're on break and you're trying not to pay attention to crap. And yet, 
that's when everything seems to happen. So we'll get the breakdown of everything going on in Washington, D.C. and so much more as the, as the show continues on. But let's shift gears a little bit. Let's get to what's trending. What do you say? What's trending today? I'm really excited for the next next conversation as it's been one that we've had multiple times on the pro. And we kind of have an idea. We've always had just an inkling of who's really running the show in Washington, D.C. We always do our daily check-in with Joe Biden, right, buddy? How you, you feeling good? Doing all right? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Making sure. Just making sure. We do our daily check-in with Joe Biden every single day. But uh, we already know that his mental state, his cognitive ability, probably not what's running the country right now. Or maybe it is, and that's why we're seeing such a travesty with everything falling apart. But we know that something's pulling the strings behind the scenes. And who could that possibly be? What could that possibly be? Uh, in in Washington, D.C.? That's the big question, right? If we had the Jeopardy song, we would play that one. But what would be the big question is who's actually pulling those strings? And we've always had this inkling, is it the third term of Barack Obama? And most of us have agreed that it probably is, but to what depth is Barack Obama involved in some of this? And what are we seeing uh, when it comes to agenda coming out of D.C.? Excited to have on the program, uh, really happy on, with his new book, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin, it's all Obama. Excited to have on here Scott McKay. Scott, how are you, my friend? Hey, how's it going, Andy? Yeah, Good to hear you. Yeah, living the dream. I appreciate you coming on here. It's a fascinating conversation because we already know that, obviously, Joe Biden can't run the ship. He is in bed probably 10 hours a day right now. But how involved is Barack Obama, do you think, behind the scenes here? Well, I, you know, it's, I don't even know if it's behind the scenes that much anymore. I mean, if you'll remember, a, a year and change ago... Uh, Barack Obama made a return to the White House, and he was treated like a conquering hero up there. I mean, it was really obvious who the boss was, uh, so much so that the video of the thing is actually its sad and funny at the same time. Here's Joe Biden kind of roaming around the room looking for a conversation yeah. with someone while everybody mobbed Obama. Um, you know, and that was a sort of a piece of circumstantial evidence that was awfully damning. But there have been others. I mean, oh, oh, two weeks ago, I guess it was David Axelrod essentially fired Biden as the as the Democrats' nominee for 2024. And Axelrod speaks for for Obama in practically all things. So, and I don't know that they've necessarily settled on replacing Biden. Um, but the poll numbers are such that it seems like it's inevitable. And, of course, the fact that we're having this conversation is an awfully good uh, avatar for Joe Biden not being in control, because nobody ever said that about Trump, and nobody ever said it about Obama, and nobody even said it, ever said it about George W. Bush or Bill Clinton. Yeah. They're saying it about Joe Biden, which tells you everybody in the country knows that he's not the guy running the show. Yeah, that is very true. Kind of the unsilent truth that everybody knows but doesn't want to talk about for the most part. Uh, there was a piece actually from the Daily Mail that talked about and broke down your book in a very in a very nice way. But this really ties into a lot of the current events that we're seeing. Let's take uh, Israel and Hamas for an example right now. We see the ongoing, uh, I guess, the peace treaty, temporary peace treaty, as they release some of the hostages, uh, whether that's a good thing or not, and what their alternative agenda is, that's said to be told. But outside of what's actually going on with the conflict, uh, Scott, I've never seen in my entire life so much anti-Semitism. I've never seen so much pro-terrorism with being protested on college campuses and the streets of New York, all over in Washington, D.C. I've never seen... What I'm seeing right now with not standing up for our allies and supporting radicalism that's 
openly called for the death of the United States. And that, to me, uh, a lot of people say that has Barack Obama written all over it with uh, the changing of the culture and what he said was, quote unquote, fundamentally changing the United States of America. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I, I, you know, let's let's understand that all of this pro-Hamas advocacy is funded. This is all some, you know, stuff that somebody is paying these people to do this because, for the most part, left-wing protesters don't do things because they get their dander up. They get they do thing uh, they do them because there's a check involved in it. And so the question there is: is well, where did that money come from? And it's not hard to to answer it. The money came from your wallet. This is your tax dollars at work. This is money that was funneled to Iran. Uh, during Obama's presidency, and of course there was even more money sent, uh, you know, the Iranians' way with with Biden, um, and you know, magically all of a sudden our college campuses and all of these inner cities in America, uh, where they can't even place Israel on a map, a lot of these people are going to go and 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 protest in in such a way that it's just hard to fathom, right? Like who would choose? To to uh, to agitate on Hamas's behalf, given what you know, what happened, you know, in in October. Yeah. And, and the answer is nobody would. Uh, and these people are doing it anyway, which tells you that somebody's paying them. And you know, Obama was. I mean, let's let's remember who Obama was. Obama marinated at Columbia uh, under the tutelage of Edward Said, who was one of the you know a radical pro Hamas. Uh, academic at Columbia. Uh, one of his best friends in Chicago was Rashid Khalidi, uh, who's another radical pro-Hamas uh, academic. Khalidi ended up at Columbia, uh, but he was at the University of Chicago when Obama was there. And of course, if you'll remember, there was a video of Khalidi's going away party when he got the job at Columbia. And this video has never been seen, and it's sitting in the archives of the Los Angeles Times. Uh, but people who have seen the video say that it is the most blistering anti-Israel stuff you can ever imagine. And if anybody had seen that, Barack Obama would have been dead in the water in the 2008 presidential primary. Of course, that was hidden from the American public. Um, but what isn't hidden is Obama's true colors when it comes to Hamas and you know the Palestinians vis-a-vis -vis Israel. He's the far and away the most anti-Israel uh, president we've ever seen. Um, and, you know, like you said, the effect he's had on the culture and the politics of this country has made pro-Hamas agitation mainstream in America today. It is very unfortunate. It's very sad. And I always thought when we talk about some of the paid protesters out there, I, our mind always goes to like someone like George Soros. But, you know, Barack Obama definitely, I think, has his hands in this one. So here's the bigger question is, was this set up from the beginning of the Biden administration or even prior to him getting in office? Was this the select hand-picked candidate for the Obamas to continue on this legacy because of Biden's condition maybe even at that time or because he had worked for Barack Obama as the VP prior to? I mean, was this preordained all the way then or was it, well, because he's declining, now we have an opportunity to promote our agenda while he's in office and doesn't know what's going on? Well, the best way to answer that is to look at who the number two is. Right. I mean, between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I don't think the two of them combined in those early presidential primaries for more than 20 percent of the vote in the Democrat primary. Yeah. And yet 
they ended up number one and number two on that ballot amid a field of 25 different people. You know, and Harris, if you'll remember, was the favorite of the Obama machine before that cycle got started. I mean, they did fundraisers for her. They put her out there as, uh, as you know, the next big thing. And she crashed and burned in all the early primaries. Uh, I don't, actually, I don't even know if she made it to the post. No, um, no, she, but, I mean, she, she, she was, was one of the first ones to bow out when she got out. Yeah, she she was one of the first ones to bow out at two to three percent of the polling, which was a shocker. When all of a sudden, right. after calling Joe Biden a racist on the debate stage, he turns around and nominates her as the candidate after being called a racist and her having zero support. That was very strange. Well, and you know, and and he was a a dud on the campaign trail in the early primaries himself. But then all of a sudden. Deus ex machina, we got this, this you know, uh, sorting of the Democratic field, and, and Joe Biden just was the nominee after that. Um, if you don't think that that is evidence that the Obama machine was pulling the strings, then you are not paying attention. Um, and so, you know, and, and then he chooses as his vice presidential candidate somebody who called him a racist, so that tells you Joe Biden didn't make that decision either, and it's hardly a coincidence that she was the machine's choice from the very beginning. Um, and they put her in a position, knowing Joe Biden and his and his condition uh, cognitively and and otherwise. Um, you know, they they put her in. She you know, as the vice presidential nominee in 2020, she was probably the single most likely vice president to become president. Uh, over the course of a first term in American history. Yeah. And she's somebody nobody wanted to vote for. So, you know, I, which, I, you know, th- if I can kind of run on a little bit, um, this is a classic example of the character of the Obama machine, which is they don't give a damn what the American people think. They're going to force things down your throat because to them, elections are not about persuading anybody. They're about manufacturing as many ballots that they can harvest as possible. Yeah, well, very true. And to the progressive, and Obama really started this trend during his administration, was the ends justify the means. And even if they take a hit in popularity or in the polls, it doesn't matter because even if they lose temporarily, they now have a brand new foundation to work off of when they gain power again and they can continue on their agenda because Republicans, unfortunately on our side, we're not strong enough to actually repeal stuff because once a government program's created, it doesn't quite go away. We're talking with Scott McKay, author of the book Racism, uh, Revenge, and Ruin. It's all Obama. we got to take a hard break here. When we come back, I want to shift gears and talk about what the next plan is. There's a year left in the Biden administration. What's the next plan over the next year to set them up for an election? And what is the ultimate goal here moving forward? And will Joe Biden be that nominee or what could we see moving forward? Is Michelle Obama in that realm? We'll do some of that when we come back here. Wrap it up for a Monday on The Voice of Reason. Lots more to get to. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes here on the program for a Monday. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Multiple radio stations that we have all over the place. And more jumping on, too. That's super awesome. We love you to death wherever you may be listening. We're hanging out right now 
with the man himself, Scott McKay, author of the book Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. It's all Obama. You can find his website, thehayride.com. Hayride.com. Go and check it out. You can also see his book on Amazon, other places. Great opportunity for you during the holidays as you want to see what the deeper involvement is, the deeper agenda under the Biden administration, a.k.a. the Obama administration, term number three. Scott, we got to ask here, what is the ultimate goal? Obviously, they've been changing things little by little, but what's the end goal here? And they have a limited time available. So we can talk about the elections here in a minute on who that candidate may be moving forward. But What's the ultimate goal? What are they trying to do right now? Well, you can just look at what they're doing in the culture, you know, where, where these guys, I mean, Team Obama, whether they're uh, of a political stripe or, or simply a cultural stripe, I mean, they have corrupted practically every single institution that matters in this country. Um, and, you know, what do you get as a result of that? You get transgenderism, you get DEI, you get ESG, you get a nonstop uh, narrative about the climate and, uh, you know, and, and having to, to degrade your own lifestyle to save the planet um, and all of these other things. I mean, this is about basically reinventing humanity uh, in, a, in a way that's not all that different from the Chinese Cultural Revolution, um, because a lot of these people, and if you'll remember, Anita Dunn, at the very beginning of the Obama administration, talked about, you know, quoting Mao and, and uh, uh, talking about Maoism and, and how it applied to uh, their movement. These guys are largely Maoists, and they're doing everything they can to reinvent America along the lines of what China has become with a sort of fascist corporatist economic structure and a social credit score based culture. Um, and then a politics that almost doesn't even matter anymore because all of the key weapon uh, or key uh, 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 institutions have been weaponized and all of the battles are won upstream from politics. Yeah. That's what you've seen for the last 15 years. And it's one of the things that, that racism, revenge and ruin talks about at length is you know you have to understand this stuff if you're going to fight back from it. That is very true. And you mentioned climate change. I mean, that's going to be their main focal point. I mean, it snowed here in Kansas. In fact, a record amount of snow over in <laughs> Kansas where I'm at over the over the weekends. I'm not sure if that's global warming because it cooled from other places to bring it here or if that's global cooling because the temperature cooled down enough for it to snow or if it's just climate change because we don't know what it is. So <laughs> that's the agenda that they have here, Scott. We got just about a minute left here, but I got to ask about the election now who's going to be this nominee for the Obamas moving forward in 2024? How long can they keep Joe Biden standing a front with steroids injected into him, do a five minute speech and then walk away? Or are they going to have to find a new candidate or will we see a rise of the Obamas again and Michelle Obama being that great savior for the Democrat party? Well, there's, there's this poll that the center square did that, that had Michelle Obama as the only potential candidate out there who could actually beat Joe Biden in a Democratic primary. Um, but again, I don't think these people care about that stuff. If Mich I mean, obviously, if Michelle would run, I think they would run her, but I don't think she wants to do it. And she's one of the few people in that whole movement that has a mind of her own. Um, uh, this is going to sound weird. I think they're going to try to foist Kamala Harris on us in 24, just like they tried to do in 2020. And I don't think they care whether the American people will spit her out. I think they'll, you know, they're going to harvest the ballots 
and they're going to do the things that they did and, um, you know, make a go of it. Whether it works or not, I can't tell you. Yeah, that's that would be the only way they could do it is by harvesting ballots or do whatever they do on that side because she's already ranked as one of the least approved uh, vice presidents in American history since we started recording this stuff. She's a travesty. Right. So if they do run her, they're going to have to do a lot of work on the behind the scenes to make that happen uh, because you're right. I don't know of any other candidates. Biden can't do it just age wise. Gavin Newsom, I don't think is in that same clique, even though he wants to be. No, Michelle, he's not. Michelle, like you said, that's I don't right. know if she wants to. So they're they're kind of stuck between the rock and the hard place. It's quite fascinating. Go well, check out the book. It is Racism, yeah. Revenge, and Ruin. It's all Obama. Check it out on Amazon on the website as well. It's Scott McKay. Scott, we're out of time, my friend. We got to get you back on. We got to do this again real soon, brother. Anytime, sir. Take care. Hey, you as well. Great stuff. I love it. You can also go and check out, by the way, the Daily Mail, and you can see the piece on there about the book. Barack Obama is using his toxic, radical, un-American, Marxist, and anti-Semitic views to control the Biden presidency. We'll talk some more about that later. Until then, we're back at it again tomorrow for a Tuesday. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.